What's up, brother? And welcome to the Becoming Kings podcast. I'm Johnny King, and I'm a life enthusiast, growth mentor, and men's lifestyle fulfillment coach. I've dedicated my life to helping men who feel like they're just not living up to their full potential to level up and become the king of their kingdoms. So whether you've been feeling stuck or numb or extremely angry with not living up to your greatest potential in any area of your life, then I'll be in your ears every week dropping some truly transformative episodes to help you become a man that you're proud to be. I'm glad you're here. Let's get to it. What's up, everybody? It's Johnny King with Becoming Kings podcast, and I'm privileged to have Greg Ballard in the uh, so-called virtual studio. What's up, man? How are you? Doing well, man. Uh, Thanks for having me today. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I I can certainly uh, read from your uh, your, your bio, but just having the conversation offline here, I'm just, I'm excited to, to kind of just dive into your, your background and your story. Cause you're doing so many amazing things. Um, but I love that you're, uh, a man of faith, a, a family man, and then you're just contributing in a massive way to, to, to a greater cause. And I think the men that are listening to this are going to have a lot of, you know, going to be able to take a lot of notes from it. So, Again, thank you for being here. I just love to to hear if you don't mind, maybe give the guys a little bit more of a, a feed, you know, a, what is it, the the backstory for for who Greg Ballard is and and how you've come to where you are today. Yeah, Johnny, thank you again. Uh, glad to be here and glad to be talking with you and and to your listeners. Yeah. Uh, so a little background on me. Uh, I'll go way back, but I'll keep it short. So a child of divorce um, ended up relocating after my mom moved away. I was like, 14, 15 years old, moved to a new city. And, uh, and then I began to spiral downhill. Um, mm. By 16, I was on the streets and I was doing what, you know, young guys do on the streets to survive. Yeah. Um, I had moved from my childhood faith, which was Roman Catholicism, into agnosticism. And so, I, you know, I was just a debater. I would argue with you no matter which side you were on. And uh, a couple of years later, about 18, almost 19, I was confronted with someone uh, who was sharing the gospel, you know, from the word of God. And uh, I had a faith transformation at, mm. just before I turned 19. Mm. And then I pursued from there. I mean, that radically changed my life. And piece by piece, I began to grow up and, and become a responsible young adult. And I moved into ministry. I began to pursue ministry, but I did a lot of work because I was volunteering. So I did a lot of different jobs, did a lot of different things, got to travel around the world quite a bit. And, and I landed in a full-time ministry role, became a pastor. I was part of a large multi-site church, um, ended up leading a campus and leading a congregation for a number of years. Mm-hmm. And, and, and it was absolutely wonderful. Um, married, four young children, three boys, a girl, eight, six, four, and will be three next month. Are the <laughs> wow. ages. Um, and then today, you know, for the last five, six years, actually, I've been running a consulting firm. Uh, so I'm a trained executive coach and I help organizations solve problems around people, um, habits, behaviors, and, you know, retaining their employees, organizing their employees, getting them to grow together, um, you know, taking strategy and connecting it to your, to your workforce. So that's the work I've been doing now. Well, it's, it's cool. And, and, and looking at your bio, you know, obviously you're a professional certified coach and, and you're, uh, you, we could certainly spend probably an, an entire hour just talking about the disc 
um, which is, I've taken that and it's, it's fascinating. I've taken so many personality profile assessments, but regardless, I give you major props because I have a few buddies who had kids like boom, 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 like three kids within four years. And I haven't seen them in like eight years. (laughs) So you're amazing to take on (laughs) dang, you know, four kids in like, what, like five years. That's amazing roughly. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, my wife and I met and married in our like thirties. Right. And, and we both wanted four children because we wanted a good sized family. Yeah. Uh, but we didn't want to be pregnant. You know, my wife didn't want to be pregnant into her forties. So yeah. like the math was the math and <laughs> yeah. I did my job. I passed <laughs> Yeah, yeah. With time. We, we had a, we had about a year and a half to spare. So, um, yeah. 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 <laughs> that's, that's awesome. Well, I, I can imagine, um, again, just, uh, ha- you know, finding that balance between being present with family. That's obviously mm-hmm. so near and dear to your heart while still again, mm-hmm. uh, for men, I think it's so important because for so much of my life, having been, you know, you're, you're a child of divorce. My parents didn't divorce, but my dad was closet homosexual. My mom, you know, having f- five kids, it just was, it was a challenge. And I, me having family has been so important too also, but realizing the older I get, being on mission, having a mission that is even greater than my family for me is, is important. Um, and that's, I mean, legacy with children and family, 100% is amazing. But I also love that you're doing so much to connect with your purpose of why you're here on this planet yeah. too. So it's really, Absolutely. really cool. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, thanks for giving a little bit of the, the background. I'm sure we could get into a lot of the, the stuff. I, well, and I will ask you too, there probably was, I mean, to go, like you said, you're, you're kind of homeless in your teenage years there, or just kind of out on the streets, if you will. What was it when you kind of had that conversation and re- reintroduce yourself to, to God, if you will, I imagine there was a lot of anger there. And how was that transformation? Cause I feel like a lot of guys, whether you're in your 20, teens, 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, there's men that are also searching um, for something deeper. What mm-hmm. was it for you that, that allowed you to kind of go from gosh, one side of the spectrum to, to the other in, in the way that you found your faith and started giving back. Yeah. So it's interesting. Cause when you're in it as a young man, as a teen, you know, teenager, young mm-hmm. adult, um, you can't see, you know, what's going on. It, 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 my, my self-awareness was like really not very, there was not much self-awareness at all. Sure. Um, but in hindsight, as you grow older and you begin to reflect back on those years and you begin to like, oh my gosh, that's what I was dealing with. And that's what I was going through. Mm-hmm. And you can begin to see yourself maturing and you, you, we look back in hindsight and we see a lot. So I'll give you some thoughts from that perspective. I was, I was very angry and frustrated. Um, and I had been raised in, you know, Roman Catholic and I was, I was faithful. I was in church. I served as an altar boy, snuffed the candles, you know, poured the holy water. Um, I did that thing, but it was just religion. It was just the, 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 the tradition of doing it. There wasn't a really big connection for me there. Mm. And uh, when I went off to this new schooling, this new school, new town, whatever, uh, they had, and, and I didn't know what was going on, but they introduced biology in 10th grade, mm. where where I was going, biology was in 12th grade. And so I learned evolution in 10th grade. And I learned that God didn't exist through evolution. And so 
I began to just spin out. And at the same time, I was also, um, you know, pursuing a, a drug and party culture at the same time. Mm-hmm. I was very angry with my mother, my stepfather, and all the kind of constraints they would have wanted to put on me, which was basically go to school and get good grades. That we that was it. I mean, it wasn't a, an abusive home at all. It was actually a really healthy home. And I was the abusive one in the house. And so I wanted my freedom. I felt like, hey, I can do this. I don't need any help. And I had this when I look back, it's kind of interesting. I had this inner peace that I was going to be okay. And I don't know if that was teenage invincibility um, or if that was just a whisper from, from my creator that I've got your back. Mm-hmm. And so it could have been either one of those, mm-hmm. but I knew I was in situations and I, and I was going to be okay. And I did some pretty dumb things and, you know, I can share some stories with you if you want. Um, uh, But it turned out okay. Like I survived. Let me just put it this way. I survived. But in retrospect, I really hurt my future. I dropped out of high school. I mean, Mm. and not officially, um, just the way our school worked. If I showed up every 21 days for at least one period, they they couldn't remove me. And so (laughs) I played the system. I played the system. I'd go in on the one day a week that was all the classes were short. And I was making money under the table, if you will. Mm-hmm. And so I would do my business and then I would just leave. I just mm-hmm. literally would walk, walk out. Um, and, and that's what I did. And then eventually things caved in in that town where I was living. Mm-hmm. And I had to relocate back with my dad. Mm-hmm. And, and that's when begin, things began to change. I got a steady job, picked up my equivalency diploma, and and then someone introduced me and confronted me like and it was a very cerebral argument like who is god and why does he exist and and it was a process it didn't happen overnight um but there was a person that inserted themselves into my life and really confronted me with truth and i couldn't escape it because i could see that it was true Mm. and so and again in hindsight i could tell my creator was pursuing me Mm. and was bringing me closer to him. And internally, I knew the things I was doing were not long-term, were not going to get me where I wanted to go. And that there would be a point where I had to change. I just didn't know it was going to happen at the moment that it did. Mm -hmm. And when I expressed my faith, when I invited uh, my creator to help me, it was a transformation. Because at that moment, and, and I can explicitly tell you, I was in a, um, I was in a relationship with a, as a young teen, a teenage boy with a young teenage girl, very physical, very active. And literally that transformation changed everything. Mm. The physical expression of our relationship just convicted me. And eventually the relationship died. And so for me, I have, when it comes to faith, I have a very clear uh, life of darkness and a life of light story where there was absolute complete conviction and transformation. And so, you know, again, my creator began to pull all the raw stuff out of me. And, and so hopefully that answers some of that question for you. Yeah. Well, I feel like, uh, uh, again, (laughs) whether we're talking about the, the cliche type, you know, midlife crisis. I went through it at 30 years old when my life kind of imploded on itself. You went through it even earlier. I do feel like there's going to be a, a reckoning uh, at some point 
for, for men. And I think those that uh, really do resonate with this podcast, with, with the stuff that we're talking about are at a place where they're noticing the, the whisperings or the bricks that are starting to fall around them. <laughs> and they're knowing that this is not sustainable with whatever they're doing, you know, whether it be yeah. destructive coping mechanisms, or they're just really unhappy, unfulfilled, angry, maybe apathetic or numb. So I think this, this conversation is really good because not only, uh, obviously we're talking about like, you know, your, your personal life and how you got to where you got to, but, uh, or where you are now, I should say, but the work that you're doing with organizations and companies and nonprofits to help them to help cultivate greater leaders through vulnerable conversation, communication. Uh, maybe you can tell the, the listeners a little bit more about what that looks like with how you're consulting businesses now with your 5C consulting company. Yeah. So a couple aspects. And so I'll talk a little bit about you know, I spent most of my time uh, as an executive coach, and you've highlighted that. And we've recently pivoted to a we're more of an organization, not a one-man show, and we can we can serve an organization. But when it comes to like developing people, right? Um, there's a lot of different aspects you want to look at that. And so, if you or your listeners, if you're running a company, if you've got, if you are running a company, or if you're leading a team of people, there's a, there's a whole different set of skill sets and whole different framework then say, hey, I've got a job to do. I've got to design a piece or I got to write some code or I've got to complete a task. Very different than, hey, I have a team of people that need to execute. And so we like to, to teach what it means to be a manager, what it means to be an effective leader and, and begin to help provide the framework and the communication tools so that you can be, do that very, very effectively. Um, what we see a lot is helping people to, um, to show empathy, to connect with the people that they are leading, that they're managing, to understand the goals and the kind of long-term purposes of the people they're trying to manage. And so if you're managing young people, a lot of times they don't even know what they want in life yet. They don't know what they want their career to be, but they, they want to go out and taste and they want to experience and they, and they, they want to lead. They want to be in charge of something. Mm -hmm. And if you want to keep them on your team, you've got to give them some tastes, right? But you also have to give them some reality at the same time. Totally. And so we, we help teach you know, men and women that are managing others how to do that in balance. And uh, you know, so, you're, so you're not alienating the relationship, but you're elevating the relationship. And typically people fall on one side or the other. Either they're too soft and they're not, all, they're not providing any structure or they're too harsh and they're micromanaging and, you know, and that, that employee is going to get disengaged and disconnected and move on. Mm -hmm. And so how do you bring the balance so that you get somebody that's highly engaged, showing that giving their discretionary effort and really feeling they're being poured into and respected at the same time. See, to me, that's fascinating though, because I feel like, again, how, obviously how we show up at work is a lot of times how we show up at home and, and vice versa. It, I was just speaking with a matchmaker friend and, and her business is obviously connecting professionals with suitable partners. And she was like, what women are looking for the most are self-aware men who have the balance of drive and, and masculine energy, but still are able to connect with their empathy, empathy and compassion and vulnerability. And she was asking me, how do you go about teaching men empathy? And sometimes I wonder like, man, it's, it's, it's tough, but it's, you're talking about really being able to teach empathy. 
And I don't know how. Yeah, empathy. I I mean, for 5C, I use the word compassion, a mindset of compassion. Compassion, I call as empathy in action Mm. because compassion is actually, you know, when you physically, you make it, you take an action on how you feel. Showing empathy is is critical skill, uh, but it may just be acknowledging. Empathy is acknowledging someone else's feeling, but you may not need to do anything about it. Compassion says, hey, I'm going to do something about how you feel. So there's two sides to a coin there. And it, it really is about just taking the, the ability to say, hey, I am who I am. Let me listen and understand where you're sitting. And we live, you know, it, 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 we can pull this into a few different directions. We live right now um, here in the States, you know, there's a lot of trauma going on, a lot between COVID, yeah, social amen. injustice, the media, and we have a polarization mm-hmm. that's going on in our political and our social spectrum. And empathy to me is really about being able to see both sides and put yourself into both seats. And so totally. that's a tangible example that we can that we can look at, right? Are you, pro, are you pro-vax or anti-vax? Well, I would say, why don't you get to the alt middle here? Why don't you get in the middle and understand why somebody would want to take it and why somebody would, wouldn't be able to mm-hmm. argue both perspectives. Mm-hmm. And that is going to increase your ability to show empathy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I feel like, again, sometimes the empathy is driven by not, again, going back to the commu- communication styles, if you will, <clears throat> not necessarily fighting to be right, but just fighting to, to listen, fighting to understand, to stay curious, where I feel like a lot of times people are, are really, they're being blinded to one side or the other, not really being a whole lot, a lot of empathy because they're focusing on just trying to be right in their communication, you know? Absolutely. So uh, that draws out a, another thing. So coming back to the office, uh, a lot of times a manager or a leader you know, their goal is to get somebody to do something in a certain way. Mm-hmm. And what we teach, we teach to say, hey, look, manage the outcome, not the process. All right. You have a capable, intelligent human being that is supporting your agenda. Okay. Let them figure out the how. Mm-hmm. Just make sure they're clear on the what, the, the outcome. And, and this does two things. One, the outcome that you're looking for if you can communicate it and articulate it well, is it going to be the end result? Mm-hmm. All right, because that's what you need. And the person doing it gets to actually take some credit in the how. Mm-hmm. And so you both get what you want. Mm-hmm. But if you start, well, well, I'll use the term micromanaging, telling people or laying out the process in so much detail that they're just you know, doing a process like a machine you're not getting really what you want because they're not going to do it exactly the way you want it. Number one, number two, you've devalued the, the offering that they bring. Mm. So uh, the thought here is manage the outcome, not the process. And in that regard, you can provide empathy and value to whoever it is that you're working with. Mm. Yeah. That resonates a lot because I mean, I've heard Tony Robbins say like the, the very first question he asked in his meetings was like, okay, what's our outcome? What's our ultimate result we're going here, you know, we're, mm-hmm. we're focusing on. And then he really steps back and he's able to delegate. And I compare that to when I was seeing my father grow his business in his forties, fifties, sixties. Um, he would oftentimes, again, my dad has learned a lot since then, but he, he would come in and kind of, uh, I guess people would be working on things. He'd come in and just kind of roll with an iron fist and say, you know what? No, we're going to do this. And it would undermine all their work. 
And so then they'd be like, why am I even putting forth all this effort anyways, if you're going to come in and make the executive decision, you know? And so he started losing employees because they were so frustrated. And it wasn't until he started letting yeah. go of that as the CEO mm-hmm. that people started to really, and his business started to really thrive, you know, when he finally let go of that micromanaging, which was still connected to a sense of fear and insecurity. Like I have to, I have to run the ship. I have to micromanage. So it's, it's interesting. The, the point, yeah, the key make, thing, sure um, leadership, the leadership is, is about, is not about, um, control mm. and it's not about getting things done perfectly. It's about getting things done through people. And so if you can effectively get things done through people, mm. you can lead. If they need to be perfect, it's not going to work. Yeah. Um, and, and so, you know, we want to kind of frame it like, look, get it done. It may not be perfect to you, but you didn't have to do it. It's done and your energy and effort can be in another place. And so, yeah, releasing that control is very difficult for young entrepreneurs, yeah. young managers, young executives, yeah. not even, I won't even say young, I would say um, at a particular stage of development, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, that there is a breakthrough beyond that control where you can release people. And it requires a couple things. One, it requires some inner confidence in, in who you are and what your, what your goals are. So you've got to get really clear your yep. heart set, your mindset. Yep. Um, you've got to get clear on that. Number two, you've got to be able to communicate what you want, what has to happen. And you have to communicate in an objective way so that whoever you're speaking to, one or more individuals, a team, can objectively see, okay, that fits the big picture. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's not about, well, this is their, your angle. You know, they, 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 if, if somebody can sense inauthenticity, selfishness, mm-hmm. blind spots, mm-hmm. they're going to resist whatever that is you're asking them to do. But if they can see authentic communication, very clear objective goals that fit the mission, vision, and values, they will take and they can run. Mm. And you can let them run and you can go focus on what you need to do. Mm. So it takes a few components, but once you get there, like you said, like with your dad, things just begin to explode. Mm-hmm. This to me is, is, I mean, and you mentioned the, the mindset versus the heart set. This is why I feel like this is, uh, this conversation is so important with men learning, you know, to, to reign over their own mindset, their own, you know, as I call your, your inner kingdom, you know, the thing that you really, truly, the only thing you have control over. Right. But if you, if you don't mind to expand on that, that concept, because I think that's a new one for me that the mindset versus the heart set. Yeah. So we, we've read a lot on mindset and it's a really important, you know, component that you need to manage. Um, but not many people talk about heart set and, you know, identifying the things that really ignite you as a, as a person and motivate you. And what is it that your heart wants to pursue? You know, what a passion, if you will. Okay. Um, maybe it's things that anger you. Maybe it's things that really energize you. Maybe there's something wrong in our culture or there's a business need that has not been fulfilled. Yeah. And you, and, it, and it's, it's, they're two different things. It's, it's your, it's your motivation and your passion versus the, what, what you're focused on with your mind mm-hmm. and a, a strong heart set 
is going to precede the mindset that you need. And so I like to encourage as so we use um, a, a wheel, a custom wheel of life. You've probably heard of the wheel of life. Totally. A lot of times they're filled in with key categories. We've designed one that's blank and you get to fill in your own categories mm, and then you get to rate, you get to rate those one to 10 where they are in your life compared to where you want them to be. And this can help you. What I like about that is it allows you as an individual to pick the areas that are important to you. And so immediately you're going to get clarity on what's important to you. Your values, right? Values or whatever it is you want in life. Okay. So maybe it's family. You know, we've talked about what's the, how do you balance between being successful in the marketplace or in your, or in your mission as a person and with your family. Uh, And, you know, it, it is not about, to me, it's not about balance. It's not about like, well, I give this many hours here and this many hours there. It's about where my focus is on that time. Mm-hmm. And so there's times where, hey, I have to focus on my company, on my client. I have to get that taken care of. And then, hey, there's times we just took, just took the family, you know, down near Charlottesville for four days and a completely dedicated time there. Yeah. So it's not about, can I get everything in today? No, it's about being able to just manage over a period of time, over the month, over the year, getting creating those important memories and taking care of business at the same time. So coming back to the heart set piece, it is, it is about understanding your value system, but it's also understanding about what you want to accomplish mm-hmm. in this world at the same mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. And then from there, identifying what are the key mindsets you need to become successful. What would be an example of some of the key mindsets? So, the five that come to my mind are the ones I teach in organizations. Yeah, that's great. Converting this down to to people, right? So mindsets, you've got to have a mindset of curiosity. Mm -hmm. I I, I think you've got to be able to engage a mindset of curiosity. If you want to solve a problem, if you want to combat some obstacle, you've got to be able to shift into a mindset of curiosity. And to me, that's openness, okay? That's being open to new ideas, open to new solutions, it is about investigating, you know, hey, I'm going to go and talk here and seeing if you can create, uh, connect two disparate ideas into another one that can o- eventually overcome that problem. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, another one is conviction. Where, what is your code? What is your code? Uh, where do the lines, where do you say no? If, you know, any, any of your listeners, if you're um, operating on, hey, I'm going to do whatever I need to do. There is no no, there's no boundary, there's no walls for who I am and what I can do. Uh, you're, you're not operating at uh, an optimal level. Uh, you, we all have to have a code. We have to have a conviction where we've put the stake in the ground and we said, hey, this is a hill I'm going to die on. Um, or, hey, I'm putting a stake in the ground just so we can beat it up and then we can move it to where it needs to go. You have to put some... You, and this is kind of opposite of curiosity because curiosity is like, hey, let's keep things open, fluid and oh. dynamic. Yep. But then when you get something, you've got to be able to say, this is my conviction. And mm-hmm. so whether that's your value system, you get clear on your value system. OK, that has to be operated on conviction. So you're going to say no to an opportunity because, hey, it's not it, it, it conflicts with my values. And 
and I know I'm kind of going in a few different directions here, but on the values, I would say this, you, you know, it's a value when you are willing to pay for it. And if you're not willing to pay for it, it's not really a value. And what I mean by that is you can look back in the history of your life and say, I've repeatedly made it, made sacrifices because I, I value family relationships mm. or I've repeatedly made sacrifices because my health is a value to me. Mm-hmm. And so if you don't see any history of sacrifice, then that whatever you're writing down on that sheet of paper is aspirational mm. and it may not even be real. Mm-hmm. It may be, I think that value is going to get me success or I think that value is going to get me some recognition or I think that value. So I'm going to put it down because I want to be known for that. But if there's no history of sacrifice, it's not really a value. I love that. That's so good. So that's yeah. curiosity, uh, conviction. Yep. And then courage, courage. courage. You've got to be able to go and do hard things. You've got to step out and face your fear. You know, you know, courage is not about being fearless. It's about stepping into fear regardless of its presence. Okay. So you got to step into fear, whether that's, you know, making some calls to people you've never talked to before to offer a product that they've never heard about. Um, maybe it's having a conversation with your spouse or your partner. Um, that is difficult. Um, maybe it's being vulnerable and authentic to your children. Courage. 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 Compassion. Compassion. Mm. Uh, we talked a little bit about empathy and compassion. Compassion, I see, is empathy and action. You've, you really do need to look at people uh, in your world from their point of view. And uh, I, I struggle with this, uh, specifically with my, in my marriage. Like, I, I tend to, you know, when I have conversations with my wife, I have to put effort into, hey, listening and really acknowledging her perspective. And so that's a, an area of opportunity and an area that I work on. Um, and that works, you know, that can work for anybody. You know, there's a, there's a you know, men have a very different point of view than, than women, uh, a different way of framing and looking at the world, right? <laughs> and so that takes effort for me. Mm-hmm. And, and I imagine some of your listeners, it, it, it will take effort, but you, if you don't put the effort in, it's, you're not going to get the relationship you want. 100%. So you've got to have compassion and you have to have, um, uh, you have to work on those. For me, it's work for others. It may not be. Mm-hmm. So we've talked about, uh, creativity. We've talked about, um, uh, conviction. We've talked about, um, courage, compassion. And I think there was one more. I don't think you, I don't think you did talk about, you talked about curiosity. Uh, you didn't yeah. say creativity though. Ah, is creativity is the fifth one. Yes, okay. it is. Okay. Yep. So being creative, uh, you know, being able to connect ideas and come up with new solutions. So curiosity and creativity play well together. Uh, and then that conviction is kind of the opposite of those. Cause it's kind of closing and saying, Hey, we've, we've created, we've gotten curious, we've created and we've locked it in and then compassion and courage. So those would be five C's, uh, mindsets. Oh man, I'm so glad I asked the question because I'm like I'm taking notes literally uh, while you're while you're talking. So I'm like, this is so good. Creativity, I think, is so important too as well because for for me at least, and and for men that are kind of hardwired masculine, I feel like the the adventure that comes along with creativity, with coming up with new solutions, uh, risking, you know, um, versus just having life be monotonous is so important. Um, yeah. So let me talk about creativity for a second, because there's two approaches to creativity and most of us only know one. 
Okay. So typically a creative process. And, uh, you know, again, I worked in a, uh, I worked with a large production team in a, in a large multi-site church. So creative was a big component of what we did all the time. We had to come up with themes and ideas, you know, around the message, around what, what, commu- what we're communicating. And so you can have what we call those whiteboard, blank slate, no judgment, every idea is good, just get it out there, right? And then you go through that process. And that's what a lot of creative people do. But there's a second, a second way, and that's called a structure, a structured creative process. And this is what we do in the consulting space, where we start with the outcome. What is the measurable outcome that we're looking for? And then we reverse engineer what are the key drivers to that outcome in major categories, major categories that's going to drive something. And then we break that down level by level. And then we use a hypothesis test to analyze which lever is the right lever. So without getting into that whole framework, because that's a whole lesson in itself, there's two ways to be creative. One is this kind of open, non-judgmental, throw everything at the whiteboard and see what sticks. And the other one is using a structured process of designing a decision tree, essentially. And if you study first principles, you can, under, you can, you can dive into that. Uh, but most people only do one of those. They do, let's just throw ideas instead of using critical thinking. And I think the critical thinking process can add a lot of value. Well, and to me, that's uh, kind of similar to processes I've done just even in mastermind groups where we're like, mm-hmm. what, what, okay, Johnny, what's your main outcome? What's your focus? I'm like, oh, it's, it's X. I'm like, cool. Let's, let's talk about first is to your point where I've been in those meetings as well, where just, we're literally putting sticky notes along the, the wall, you know, and there's no yeah. bad ideas here, which again is cool, but sometimes it feels like, all right, we just vomited this place is a mess. Where did we actually get with this process? You know, it's like, yeah. Uh, and, and I'm not going to disparage neither, neither one is right or wrong. It, yeah. it actually depends on your goal mm-hmm. and the way you think and what your objectives are. In some cases, this popcorn, non-judgmental, just throw ideas out can be very effective, like mm-hmm. marketing, mm-hmm. you know, in marketing that can work really well in creative design that can work really well. But in other cases, a structured, more regimented, Mm-hmm. A creative process can open things up that you never thought about before. Mm. And that's I, really where creativity comes in. Yeah, it's good. I mean, sometimes I feel like I do that with, with clients when they're like, you know what? I just hate my job. I'm like, cool. What would you love to do? Sky's the limit. You know, oh, I'd love to do like random stuff that, you know, that their brain won't even let themselves think about because it's not what they've gone to school for. Right. And then from there, okay, okay, if that's our outcome, then y'all, we almost switch to the more structured. Okay, if that's our outcome, mm-hmm. then if, if you want to yep. you know, do tours around yeah. the world and that sort of thing and run that type of business, cool, then how are we going to reverse engineer it? So that's a really cool process. I think that's, men could certainly listen to this and be like, okay, that's, that's, a, that's a process I could do for myself even in whatever facet of their life that they're maybe struggling yeah. with. Yeah, absolutely. Really, really cool. So curiosity, conviction, courage, compassion, creativity, the different mindsets, um, and then making sure that you really come from that heart set, that heart focused uh, mm-hmm. 
value places. Yeah, we call those the, the five mindsets for growth and they work for the individual and for the organization. So we totally. just talked about those as an, as an individual, but if you can take and drive those mindsets into an organization, mm -hmm. that becomes a very dynamic growth oriented organization as well. Yeah, that's, that's, yeah, that's pretty cool. Well, I'm talking about again, uh, organizations oftentimes being just a, a bigger, organism run by people, obviously, if we're, if we're again reverse kind of engineering and just having guys look at sometimes that's some men that this is going to be super valuable to them. And other men are like, you know, what? I'm just struggling to get out of bed in the morning. I'm just struggling to create healthy habits. Um, if we can talk mm. more about just the, the whole conversation around habits, I think that would be really I'll valuable. Yeah, absolutely. So this is, this is good stuff. Um, a lot of us have a complete we're coming at habits from a, from a really uh, destructive space is what mm -hmm. I'll say. Mm -hmm. And I'll use health and wellness as the example here, because I think a lot of your listeners could potentially relate to this. Um, if you've ever attempted to go on a diet in the, in, in, in January, right. In the new year's end, and you didn't make it through the end of February, yeah. um, you are not alone. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. You are not alone. But what happens is if you do that over and over again, you begin to say, well, it was, it, it, you, you, maybe you blame the diet. It was the diet, right? Well, you try another diet. Well, it was the diet. Uh, at some time, it becomes like, well, what's the common denominator? Mm -hmm. It's me, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then we begin to say, I'm the problem. I can't change. Mm -hmm. And then we start to yield and we start to give up and yep. we lose hope. And we just kind of move in to accept what it is. Yep. And, and we just move into acceptance because- it didn't work. Yeah. And I tried to, I've tried so many things and it just didn't work. So I'm the problem. Mm -hmm. That's, that's the wrong perspective to have. Mm. The problem is not you. Okay. And this is to all of your listeners. I don't care who you are, how yep. old or how young. Yep. The problem of changing your habits is not you. The problem is how you have gone about changing your habits. Mm. And some of the best research you can read, and I'm going to give you a, a really short synopsis of, of uh, BJ Fogg. He's, he's a PhD out of Stanford. He's done 20 plus years of research. I've had the privilege of speaking to him, gone through his book. Um, in fact, some of the people I've worked with are certified in his program. Um, and so I'm going to just kind of outline his research, which was published in 2020, very frontline, very breaking, um, kind of bleeding edge technology has really reduced it down to a formula. Hmm. And let me break the formula down for you. One is, uh, so B equals M plus A plus P. And let me break that down. So behavior, whatever it is that you want, the, the action you want to create, the behavior equals the motivation plus the ability plus a prompt. When the motivation and ability and a prompt all converge, the behavior happens. That's the formula. Now, let's talk about, let's break this formula down briefly. What is motivation? So if you're looking, uh, I want to mentally picture this in your mind uh, on the y-axis of a chart, the one that goes up and down, uh, motivation. So motivation is high or motivation is low, okay? So depending on how the, where the motivation is, it's going to scale along that y-axis. Mm -hmm. Now, motivation 
you know, maybe you're listening to this podcast and you're starting to feel motivated about making a change. You're like, yeah, I'm ready. Right. And maybe somebody's like, Hey, I'm going to start running five miles a day tomorrow morning, 5. AM. Well, your motivation might be really high right now and it might make it through the day. But my guess is tomorrow morning when your alarm goes off that prompt at 4:45 to get out of bed, your motivation is going to be stuck in the pillow. It is stuck. And you're just like, uh, I don't want to run five miles today. Yeah, yeah. What am I, what was I thinking? <laughs> right. Yeah. And then you're going to tell the story. See, I'm the problem. The problem's me. I can't change. Well, the key thing, that's, that's, that's the issue with motivation. Motivation is this wonky monkey. It goes up, it goes down. We don't have total control over motivation. Mm. So now let's talk about ability, okay? How easy or difficult is the task? So on this x-axis, I want you to visualize this x-axis that it's, if it's hard, it's going to be you know, at the corner, at the intersection of the y and the x is hard, and over far out is going to be easy. All right, so if you got this, you got this visual, you've got an x-axis, motivation is low, it's at, the, it's at the bottom intersection, motivation is high, it's at the top of your, of your y-axis, ability is hard, it's, it's at that intersection with the y, and if it's easy, it's out far to the right. And what we see is when we do this, we get a curve, and the curve swoops down from that high motivation, and you get this nice success line. And the key here is if we make the, the task easy. So if we have the innate ability to do the task, no matter what the level of our motivation is. See, this is the key that, that Fogg gets into. And he calls his book, Tiny Habits. Mm. So what we want to do is we want to build habits and behaviors that are actually so easy to do. It doesn't matter how motivated you are or aren't to do them. So here's, here's how he won me. Um, and I'll give it a little vulnerable, and a little personal here. So, you know, Hey, I have, I've always considered myself to have decent oral hygiene. I brush my teeth regularly, but I had, I've had this real resistance to like flossing on a regular basis. Mm -hmm. Anyway, so I'm going in his book and he keeps using this example, floss one tooth, floss one tooth, floss one tooth is, you know, which is kind of, why would you floss one tooth? Mm -hmm. Like that's kind of silly, right? And, and I can tell when I was reading this, I had this visceral response of like, no, no, I'm not going to do that. Like, that's ridiculous. I don't want to floss, right? I don't want to do this. I don't want to create a new routine. And I literally had this really emotional response to a book. And I'm like, what is going on here? And then finally, I don't know what it, I don't know what it was. I was like, all right, fine. And I was like, I'll floss one tooth and we'll see what happens. And, um, well, I've been flossing regularly for over a year and a half now. That's awesome. And yeah. And so, and, and, and that's the concept it's, it's take something that might be difficult or something that you don't feel like you have the time or energy to do and reduce it to something that's so small. Mm. It's almost like a joke. Mm. It's almost like a joke. And then, and then tie it to a prompt. So you got a motive, you know, motivation. We're going to eliminate that issue mm -hmm. by making the task super small. Mm -hmm. Then you tie it to a prompt and you can prompt a lot of things. The prompt can be the alarm goes off, a time of day goes off, a bell, you know, it can be any, what we like to teach though is attach it to an existing habit. Mm. 
So attach it to something you already do and then add this tiny little thing on top of it. And now you've got a formula for behavior. Now, I want to mention this. Behavior and habit is different. Behavior is something you do. A habit is something that is done with automaticity. So the brain's neural pathways have been paved and it's automatic. And there isn't any light. There's no more like cognitive energy that goes into it. All right. So as a guy, I don't know, maybe your audience can relate. I wake up. I need to go pee. Mm-hmm. Same. I have to. So I've built a morning routine on that. I go pee. I brush my teeth. I floss. Now, I, and then I add on to that. I do 10, 10 squats. I do 10 pushups. I do 25 crunches. Mm. That is my morning bookend. And then I do the same thing in the evening. Before I go to bed, I got uh, to empty the canteen. And then I brush my teeth. I do my squats. I do my pushups. I do my, my crunches. And then I get into bed. Mm. And I started this a little less than a year ago, and it's been seamless. Hmm. I do this every day. It's a tiny habit being built up on, on top of itself. Mm. So we get these, uh, you, you kind of ch- daisy chain these habits. The first one is, hey, I got to go pee. That's going to happen. Yeah. Immediately following that, hey, I'm already in the bathroom. I have the cold water. It's just a matter of brushing. Mm-hmm. And then I've got the commitment. I'm going to floss at least one tooth. Now, sometimes I have, okay. Sometimes my wife is out there in the van with the four kids and she's like, we got to go. And I'll just do, Hey, one tooth I'm done. Mm. I can celebrate that. Mm. I can celebrate because I can keep the habit alive. Right. I can keep the habit alive. That's the key of keeping it small and squats and crunches. Like I could add, I went up to 25, you know, routinely. And then I was like, this is taking a little long. So I, I brought it back down to the, to, to the minimum. And I can, I can play with that. The key is to keep it alive. Now you mentioned, I just mentioned the word celebrate. This is actually critical. Once you've designed your habit and once you've executed, you need to give your brain a reward. Okay. So you need to figure out what it is that you can give your brain a little bit of candy. And, and I don't mean real candy. Don't, don't go find some. We're talking about, Hey, look at the mirror and smile, you know, give yourself a double fist bump up in the air, mm-hmm. you know, maybe shout some vulgarity that you like, whatever it is, that's going to get your brain a reward for that behavior. Mm. Okay. So that's the system. And, uh, you know, BJ Fox book, tiny habits, uh, great resource. It's got a lot of examples in there. Um, I use this model working with my clients. I've used it in my own life, seen a tremendous amount of success. And it's amazing because the reality is I'm not the problem. The problem of, of, of a habit is I have in the past not used the right methodology to building one. Mm. And so this methodology has been truly successful for me and for my clients. Behavior equals motivation plus ability plus prompt. Prompt. Yeah, I feel like, uh, again, that resonates so much with with what I've talked about on this podcast, on other episodes, uh, solo episodes, where I'm like, you know, I'd, I would go to Tony Robbins, and he's like, take massive action and do all stuff. And I'd get excited, like you said, I have all this motivation and have this 30 to 45 minute morning ritual. And it would last for like three days, maybe. And then I'd wake up one of those mornings and be like, I don't have the time to do that or the energy. Um, and so if anything, I've taken it down to like three things which might be, like you said, go to the bathroom, drink a big glass of water and 
meditate or stretch or, you know, something mm-hmm. simple that literally takes no, no more than five minutes and focus on that. You can always add more, but I agree with you. T- typically for me, less is more. Otherwise then I don't do it. Then I shame myself. Then I feel like it affects, it sets the tone for the rest of the day. And I feel yep. like a lot, a lot of guys so, do similar. So one I was practicing with because, you know, getting up on a routine, getting up out of bed sometimes can be difficult if you, you know, maybe your listeners can relate. Uh, maybe you got a hard day in front of you. Maybe you feel a little discouraged. You're feeling a little down. Uh, some techniques that I've used to help me is one, like what's the, what's the smallest thing I can do yeah. while I'm just laying in bed semi-conscious? Well, I can touch my nose. Hmm. I can count to 10. And so for when I needed to, when I need to do this, I touch my nose, I count to 10, I sit up. Mm. It's taking things super, super simple and, and then just keeping it alive. Mm-hmm. Um, BJ has a fantastic one. When you get out of bed, you sit up, you stand up and you say, today is going to be a great day. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Calls it the Maui habit. You can modify it, adjust it. And it's a positive enforcement for what's about to come. That's cool. And he says, some days, some days I know I got some hard things that, and, and you say today is going to be a pretty good day, or I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to make today a great day. Yeah. You know, so you can, you got to be authentic with it. Uh, but these are little tiny things that you can do to build the muscle. And, and here's what I think is, ex- is exciting. And this is what I'm stepping into is as I've seen myself apply this and I've seen the success coming up on a year now, confidence goes up. Mm-hmm. I'm actually now in a phase where like, what's the next habit I want to build? Where mm-hmm. do I need a new habit? What do I want to build? What do I want it to look like? And, and I'm going into it with a level of energy that in the past I was like, I don't know if this is going to work for me. But now I've got, I've got history. I've got, you know, I've momentum. got some past performance. I've got some momentum. Yeah. And so, um, so I just share that with you and your listeners. listeners. Uh, behavior equals motivation plus ability, plus a prompt. Keep it small, keep it alive and smile. Yeah, I think that's a great, uh, I mean, gosh, that's a great strategy, tool set to, to begin just getting the ball rolling, especially if you're just struggling to get out of bed or finding a sense of purpose in the day. So that's awesome. Thank you very much. Um, I do feel like we could just keep talking. <laughs> There's so many things I'm like, ah, I want to talk about that. I want to talk about that. So maybe there'll be a, uh, we'll do a part two. Yeah, I, we'll have I'll add on to that. So what we do inside organizations is we yeah. actually have um, some technology that allows us to take content and attach it to um, our, our habit builder app, mm-hmm. which reinforces the development of a habit. So we've got some systems to help reinforce the development of habits. And, and so we can drive organizational change we can we can support teams and divisions uh, as they're taking on new behaviors. Mm-hmm. Or if you you want to do personal development, we have some of that added bonus because of the technology that we use and the habit, the way the approach we take to building habits. People who are contacting you and reaching out to you saying, "Hey, we we need your your support. We need your consulting." I, I imagine you see patterns of success and patterns of failure. Those that are struggling and and are like, okay your message resonates with them and their organization. What, what does that typically look like? What, what uh, is there a pattern of what you're seeing in terms of organization 
structure or communication where you're like, okay, yeah, we can definitely come in and add some value with Azure company. Well, today, I mean, right now, a lot of companies are trying to figure out what their work is going to look like. Like, are we remote? Are we hybrid? Are we yeah, back right. in the office? Yeah. Um, and, and so they're just trying to sort through that. So there's a lot of value we add there by just looking at their industry, looking at their market, looking at their strategic, their strategic objectives mm -hmm. and their competitive advantage. You do, and then how do you organize around those things? Um, because in some ways, businesses have been kind of been brought back to a startup mode where their mm -hmm. business model is now in question. Um, because if they've got everybody remote or they got to pay people more to bring them in, you've got to rethink the whole business model a little bit. Um, what I like to also say is if, if you are trying to drive a strategic change, maybe you are trying to drive more inclusivity. Maybe you're trying to drive a higher level of safety or productivity any of those things that you want to drive into your organization, we can bring a lot of value structure and we can show you the, the success and the metrics of how well the program is going. Yeah. Uh, so we can you know, do some really good hard ROI numbers on what's typically been a soft skill. Hmm. That's, yeah, thank you. That's basically what I was wanting to get at. Is like, who, who are you working with? What are they really asking yeah. for or, or desiring from from your support. So yeah. that's awesome. How uh, small, to, small to medium enterprises around 200 or so people, sometimes a little less. And then we typically work with whoever's steeped in the strategy okay. of that company. That's who we, we work with. How do they get in touch with you? And what's the best way if they're hearing this and want to uh, connect? Yeah. So LinkedIn is a great place to find me. My website, uh, 5c.consulting, F-I-V-E letter C.consulting. And then my email, which is greg at 5c.consulting. And um, we're also kicking off my own podcast, uh, The Adaptive Executive. Oh, that's so cool. That's so cool. I'll definitely be uh, tuning in and listening. I, I think uh, <laughs> you were saying earlier, like if, you know, if you wake up and you're just feeling like, you know, maybe you were up late because you have four little kids under the age of eight. <laughs> And you didn't get any sleep, you know, I, I got to imagine there's going to be someday I, I look back and be like, ah, oh, I had the life when I had no kids, you know? Um, but I, yeah, but bless your heart. You, you, you get a lot done. And I love the, the things that you're, you're not just talking the talk, you're walking the walk and practicing it, which is pretty cool. So yeah. thank you. Thanks for well, Johnny. On. Thank you for having me a privilege and uh, my best to you and, and your listeners. Yeah. Well, I appreciate uh, Greg so much and uh, thanks for being on. And, and I think guys, um, yeah, again, if this really resonates and you want to connect with Greg, I would say check out some of those ways that uh, he mentioned to contact him, uh, follow him on any of the LinkedIn or the socials for sure. And I appreciate you checking in on this episode of the Becoming Kings podcast. We'll catch up with you soon. Take care. That's it for this one, and I want to thank you for listening. Hey, if you got some good ideas from this episode and you want more, please feel free to subscribe to the podcast. And if you think others may benefit from it also, share it on social media and tag me in your post so I can say hey. It would also mean a lot to me if you felt inclined to write a review of the show on Apple Podcasts, since I read every single one of them. And if you've got any questions or topics that you'd like to recommend, or really just anything that you think I could improve upon, man, I thrive on constructive feedback. So hit me up with an email at podcast at johnnyking.com. Oh, and feel free to also subscribe to my YouTube channel, connect with me on LinkedIn, and 
follow me on Instagram at Johnny King and on Facebook at facebook.com backslash Johnny King Men's Coach. Thanks again for joining me. I'll catch you next time.